Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 96, The First Commandment, part one of our Ten Commandments series, recorded Monday, October 10th of 2016, with your hosts, Grant and Peter. Welcome to Saving the Game, I'm Grant. And I'm Peter. And I apologize, I am snuffly and fighting the remnants of a cold after having worked out. So you're going to hear a little more of me than you're used to this episode, but somehow you'll manage. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of weeks for me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We've got some news and notes to get into before we start digging into our usual stuff. The first one, the Game to Grow project that we are involved in with the Bodana Group, Sarah Lim Bowman, Wheelhouse Workshop, and some other very smart people. Yep, RPG Research, notably. Yep, is... uh, continuing to release content and next month november we are going to hopefully be putting out our episode that we host for that we're going to be hosting a panel on religion and spirituality and how it interacts with gaming because that is very much in our wheelhouse and we have two returning guests from uh, saving the game we've got Derek white and jack birkenstock on our panel and then we also have two other guests who you'll have to wait and see but i think you'll like them there both very interesting, very nice people. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting that episode out the door. It's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we should probably see if we can arm twist them into doing an audio recording, too, and maybe just throw it into our the audio of that into our feed as a bonus episode if Jack will sign off on it. I can actually just extract it from the YouTube video. No, oh, that would work, too. So we may do that. That'd be pretty cool. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Stay tuned for that, and we'll put a link to the Game to Grow channel in the show notes so that you can check that out if you're not familiar with it. We try and post it on social media, but if you're not following us, check the show notes, and you'll find some really fascinating videos by much smarter people than us. Yeah, or at least much more educated people than us. Probably smarter. Probably (laughs) both. (laughs) One other note, our next Patreon topic poll should be live as you hear this, so if you are a backer... Uh, at the $10 per month level or more, and you have opinions about where our show should go as far as episode topics, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash saving the game, and vote. We've got four topics up there that you can choose from. Whichever whichever one wins the poll, we'll be doing sometime in the next few episodes after the poll closes, just like we did with the last one. Exactly. Uh, and of course, if you're not a Patreon, patreon.com slash saving the game. Back us there. Uh, You get some other cool rewards like our Patreon question. Yeah. Backers at the $5 or higher level get to enter a question into our question table. And like good gamers, we roll on that table every episode and answer whatever question comes up. So we're about to do that. Grant, take it away. All right. Die in hand. Here we go. Richard Lawrence. This one's been on here for a while. Richard, I apologize for not getting to it, but sometimes the dice don't go in your favor. I enjoy your podcast and Game Store Profits. I listen to a lot, but I want to find more in the geek theology niche. Do you know of other podcasts that look at games and or gaming from a Christian perspective? I listen to some good actual play podcasts with my kids. I would love to know of some actual play games played by Christians or at least clean language. I like just about any genre, fantasy, urban, sci-fi, cyberpunk. Thanks for the help. Yeah, there are not many. I'll tell you that right now. 
a while back, we were part of a project that unfortunately has kind of faded called the Crossover Nexus. It's still out there at crossovernexus.com. Um, there were some member podcasts that I can recommend. Strangers and Aliens is kind of generic sci-fi podcasting. Uh, and all of these, by the way, are explicitly or implicitly Christian podcasts. Geekily Yoked is kind of a, a general geek podcast, uh, but it's two married Christians. The Sci-Fi Christian, which is very cool, and I really like it. Helix Reviews. This one is hosted by Dave Arrington, and they do reviews of every nerd media out there. Movies, comics, video games, everything else. Real World Theology, that's R-E-E-L as in movie real. A kind of roundtable-y show about movies and popular culture. And again, that's from a Christian perspective. Not necessarily always geeky, uh, but certainly interesting and relevant. I'd be really interested to see what they have to say about the upcoming Doctor Strange movie. Because I remember Derek White posted some stuff about that, and I'm already kind of planning to view it through that filter. Doctor Strange is probably my favorite Marvel character. I say that as somebody who has only read a few actual comics, right? But um, right. the general story, I really, really like. There's a Doctor Strange movie that was on Netflix a while back that was very good. Hmm. I wonder if that's still there. Uh, I don't think it is wonder if it's moved to Amazon Prime. It probably has. I have that too. I may have to check it out there. Very, very good. Having said that, I have yet to see Iron Man 2 or The Avengers or anything after that. So I'm way behind on my Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. I would suggest that perhaps if you are looking along these lines, you may want to widen your net a little bit and just see if you can find some good just theology content. Sure. I get a lot of mileage out of, and I have not been shy about this at all, listening to Church of the Resurrection sermons. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's part of my podcast feed. And if you find some theologian that you like who is currently preaching at a church someplace, a lot of the time you can find that information online too. So that can be good. Uh, Geekdom House has a podcast called Infinity Plus One. Strongly recommended. It's very good. They tend to do kind of two segments where it's here's one thing and then here's a particular media that we're going to talk about or a particular concept we're going to talk about. Past episodes are things like Explorers and Harley Quinn, Dream Crates and Redemption. Another one uh, in the same vein as what Peter was talking about, Five Minutes in Church History. If you like the stuff that we talk about in terms of um, historical heresies and kind of an overview of theological history, that's a great one. And it's, again, it's five minutes, like once or twice a week. An interesting one, and maybe not as closely related, but very cool, The Liturgists podcast, which is largely about media in the church. Hmm. Uh, The last one I really want to recommend, well, last two, uh, Faithful Creative, which is very new and they haven't put out a lot yet, but if you go listen to them, hopefully that will prompt Faithful Creative, to put out more, because I like what they've put out so far. I'll bet I know what your last one is. Retro Rewind Podcast? Nope, Cringecast. Okay, I'm going to uh, say Retro Rewind Podcast. In okay. part because one of the hosts is a backer of ours on Patreon. Hooray, thank you. Yay. And also because it's really, really good. I've really liked everything that I've heard from them. They have a good rotating cast where you've got a couple of regular hosts and a guest, which I always like. Uh, it's clean. 
always a big plus. And they're looking at the things kind of from our generation, like the the very oldest edge of the millennials slash very youngest edge of Gen X. Yeah. You know, kind of that in between. Oh, yeah, I grew up with 28.8 modems and was super excited when we got up to 56K. (laughs) My first computer was a Commodore 64. You know, but it's things like Adventures in Babysitting, The Predator Movie, The Truman Show, Bust-A-Move, the classic arcade game. Mostly movies, but some video games, some other stuff. Really cool. Unfortunately, to get back to the core of the question, I don't know many other gaming podcasts that are Christian. The only other one that I think we need to recommend is The Dice Steeple by Tom Vassell, who runs The Dice Tower. He's the guy who founded The Dice Tower. Huge board game review site. Uh, But he's also a Christian and hosts kind of the revamped version of The Dice Steeple, which is looking at gaming from a Christian perspective. The other thing that I would recommend is if you like podcasts, you will probably also like audiobooks. And there are tons of those out there. Get yourself some C.S. Lewis or something and go to town. Absolutely. But as far as gaming podcasts, that's about all we can recommend. And he also asked about actual plays, which I confess I do not listen to any of. So you got any of those for him? None that are clean. Okay, fair enough. Unfortunately. I have stopped listening to a lot of actual plays since I started GMing, and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like this weird bleed thing. Hmm. Yeah, but that might be a whole different episode altogether. Stuff bleeding into your GMing. So maybe we'll leave that for another time. We should probably add that to the episode list. Yeah, one of us should write that down. I'll get on it, and why don't you do the uh, first scripture here? Yeah, I will. But thank you. That was a great question from Richard. And of course, Richard, we look forward to getting your next one. Okay, so we've got a couple pieces of scripture to start off our conversation, uh, and we should talk about what we're doing here. We're going to start another series. Yes, another one. We're kind of putting the historical heresies thing on hold for a little while. It wasn't especially well-received, and frankly, I was struggling with it. And we kind of wanted to get back to something theological as opposed to historical. So we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments, going in order, starting with the first one. And so... Naturally, we have to start with Exodus 3.15. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And this is Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3, the first of the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Next, we have Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 38. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the last one we have is also from Matthew. This is Matthew six twenty-four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The reason that the Ten Commandments make such a good series for us is that they are intended to be easy to understand basic principles. And as such, they have very powerful implications. Yeah, and because of that, they are both good to talk about and refresh your memory on on a theological level, But that also means that they are very good for translation into a gaming context, which is the other aspect of our podcast. Right. We're going to be looking at these outside of the context of Jewish law. 
that's perhaps important to mention. But why is this commandment so very important? Well, shortly before the commandments were given, Moses did have to ask, which God are you at the burning bush? This established that not only is Yahweh, uh, I am who I am, not part of a pantheon, but that he isn't going to tolerate sharing worship with other gods. Uh, right. One of the recurring sins of Israel in the Old Testament is allowing uh, Asherah poles and other pagan shrines and places of worship to sure. spring up in their borders. You see a lot of that. This is a recurring sin of Israel, putting other things before God. The other interesting thing about this first commandment is that it is a personal commandment. I am the Lord, your God. This is God talking directly to Israel and through Israel to us saying, I am a distinct person. I am not just a vague omnipotence and omnipresence, but a God who is all-powerful with character. There are things God loves and things God doesn't love. There are relationships that you can have with God, and that relationship is personal. Yeah, and furthermore, it starts to hint at the nature of God, Right. Uh, this is a God who will take the oppressed and broken people rather than their wealthy and powerful rulers and lead them to freedom from oppression and cruelty. And also consider that the messenger chosen to deliver these commandments was an octogenarian fugitive with a stutter when he started working for God. Yeah, that's also pretty important as it turns out. In addition to the literal worship of other gods, this commandment can be expanded on a little bit. Uh, as Matthew 6 and Matthew 22 kind of indicate, talking about worshiping other things that take over your life as the driving force of, well, your whole worldview, your dedication. I think we all have, at various times, put plenty of other things before God. The urge to make money, you know, the need for a sense of stability and security, you know, the pursuit of sex, the pursuit of fun. I think very often we have taken gaming to such an extreme, I know I certainly have, that that becomes the thing that's most important to me before everything else, including God. Yeah, now on the flip side of this, this can also be taken too far by the well-meaning and zealous to mean that caring about anything else is somehow sinful, and that's clearly not the intent of the text. Uh, right. As you as you go into even just the rest of the list of the Ten Commandments, God does command his people to care about things other than just worshiping him. Absolutely true. And one of the things, and, and perhaps this is gaming related as well, the idea that fun somehow gets in the way of putting God first is a common Christian fallacy. Yeah. We can enjoy each other's company, we can enjoy activities that are not on the face of them explicitly Christian, and we can do that while still putting God first. In fact, that's why we have this show, to teach people how to do that, encourage people to do that regularly. Yeah, that kind of comes back to the old uh, Francis of Assisi quote about preaching the gospel at all times and when necessary using words. Yep, it does. I do want to stress, however, we also struggle with the temptation to conflate our own desires and God's call to follow him. I know that I have done this, and I know everybody else does this. We all assure ourselves that, well, the thing we want must naturally be what God wants us to do. It's what God wants for us. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. We all do it. 
we excuse it by saying, well, clearly this is God's plan for me. This is what I feel called to do. Oh, well, this will make me happy. God wants me to be happy, right? Now, down that particular road leads a number of other sins. <laughs> Narcissism, not least among them. Yeah. Uh, it leads to the empty sort of gospel that you get from the prosperity gospel, rather than the rich, full gospel that is Christ's promise to us. But it's such an easy trap to fall into. One of the easiest, really. Yeah, it's worth calling out explicitly. And the other thing that's kind of insidious about it is that it is hard to tell when you have fallen into it and when you have not. And yeah. It is for this reason, as much as many others, that it is very good that God is patient. <laughs> yes. And it's one of those things where the fellowship of Christians works together to prevent this, because while Jesus warns us very clearly about being hypocrites and taking the log out of our own eye before we try and take the speck out of our neighbor's eye, part of the, the joy of a fellowship of Christians is that we are accountable to each other and we help each other when we stumble. If I fall into this particular trap, the community of Christians around me helps me notice that and say, hey, I think you're doing this and this is a problem. And it's on me to honestly recognize that and say, oh, you're right. I was too close to it. I didn't see it. I was caught up in this particular sin. But just by pointing it out, I can say, oh, you're right. Let me fix that. Let me back yeah. off from that. There are some interesting gaming applications for the first commandment. And the most important of them is the question, what matters most to your characters? In a setting where faith is important, even for one character or a couple of characters in a whole party or a whole setting, the choice between what a character is called to do and what seems convenient at the time or speaks to their own desires is a role-playing opportunity that's too good to pass up. Plus... If everybody is up to it and the DM can actually make it work, it's a good place to introduce some real moral dilemmas into your game mm -hmm. because it's like, well, this thing on the face of it seems pretty good. And, you know, this is certainly not like the kick the puppy or pet the puppy kind of a, a thing, but it's like, well, there's this thing over here that I'd really kind of like to do, but is this really what I'm supposed to do? Is this actually the right thing? I actually had this come up in the mage game that I played a few years ago, where I was playing a Catholic priest, of all things, and he was from essentially an alternate dimension. I'm not going to get into the, the complexity of the World of Darkness setting, especially because mage is weirder than most, as far as those go. <laughs> yes, it is weird even by the Old World of Darkness standards, which makes it weird indeed. Yeah. It's a wonderful kind of weird, but it is weird. And this is deep splat book weird, let me tell you. <laughs> but... Uh, he was from an alternate dimension, and he joined the party probably about two-thirds of the way through their campaign, because I joined about two-thirds of the way through the campaign. Because he was from an alternate dimension, he w joined the party with the explicit charge from the rest of the wor entire world that he came from to come back to them with aid, essentially. That was his driving goal, and there was this interesting transition where my character had to understand as the story progressed that that was actually not what he was called to do because he was in the middle of something even more important than that. His desire to return home, the desire of all these other very well-meaning people for him to come home to them and provide some additional safety to them was 
less important than the very urgent thing that he was doing that was something he was literally called by God to do. Hmm. It was an interesting character transition because it's one of the few cases I can think of where I have had a character or seen a character in a game give up on something from his backstory. That's not something that happens much, is it? Every time you talk about this particular game, I wish that there were actual play recordings of it just a little bit more. I do too. Most of them would have been sitting around arguing about doors to go through. We literally spent an entire session going, okay, should we go through this door? I don't know. I don't know. The door's scary. Let's make, let's cast a lot of spells. I think we can do it. All right. Let, hmm. Let's only, if only both of us had audio editing experience and could cut all of that out. I know. My wife actually joined the game later on. And after 45 minutes of this, Chrissy eventually sighed, looked at the GM and said, I go through the door. And everybody panicked. And the GM said, thank you. <laughs> but it was all like that. I, I will say, just, just for the sake of, you know, throwing some kudos her way, your wife is wonderful at breaking those kind of deadlocks in games. It is a, a gaming gift. Yeah. Anyway, to get back to the topic, that was something that was specific to this character. There are other idols, and when we talk about idols here, I don't think we actually used this word previously. When we talk about things that we put in front of God, things that we put before him, we, we often refer to those as idols. Now, this comes from the original Israelite problem of actually worshipping other idols. Yeah, actually having people bowing to a statue. Right, but in a more philosophical sense, these idols can be things that we value more than a relationship with God. Wealth, very common one, especially in the modern era. Yeah, power and security as well. Yes, power over others, security so that our... Our livelihood, the the way we are right now isn't threatened. That's a huge idol. But there are plenty of others. Particularly on a national scale, I would say. When you start to abstract it out to a societal level, a lot of the time, the ugly face of that particular idol really becomes apparent. That's true, but I think also it's a very personal thing. Oh, definitely. I I don't disagree for a moment. The security and stability of my day-to-day life is so much more important than listening to God and following God where he leads me. Sure. I mean, to use a a benign and theologically neutral example... I should interrupt real quick and say I'm saying that sarcastically, right? That that is a self-denigrating thing. I am not saying that that is more important. I'm saying that it's such a common trap that we fall into. Yes, definitely. Like I said, to use a, a benign and theologically neutral example... My security got disrupted pretty dramatically earlier this year when I switched jobs. I was having a yep. a real rough time adjusting. Uh, you heard about some of that. <laughs> I've pretty well settled in at this point, but those first few months were, it was difficult. I was basically homesick because I'd worked at my last job for almost 15 years. Because we're talking about these idols, the question arises, what idols exist in your setting and how do they manifest? In Shadowrun, security is a really big deal. Yeah. Not just the technical art of securing a building, but the idea that you actually have a place to live. Your character actually can regularly eat. Let me dig into that a little bit, because this was kind of an aspect of my player character in the game. Yeah. My my PC in our Shadowrun game was this guy named Alec Frost, who, uh, who used to be a military guy, and... He also had had kind of stable employment for a little while before he became a Shadowrunner, and he always kind of 
wanted to get back to that in some way, which was the source of a lot of great inside jokes in the group and stuff. But it it became a, a genuine aspect of who he was, is that he always just kind of wanted to get back to this workaday life that he used to to have and just kind of longed for the stability of that. But at the same time, in the Shadowrun universe, especially for somebody with his particular skill set, as opposed to like an accountant or somebody who's experienced running a punch press, that would mean some very morally troubling things. The kind of work that he could get that would give him that security would have been a real Faustian bargain. Mm -hmm. And so he wound up kind of working in the shadows. And despite the fact that he was criminal... I really think, especially in retrospect, he probably made the more moral decision there. Uh, and this is naturally a cyberpunk setting where rebelling against the system is the correct moral choice, however it looks. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the, the conceit of almost every cyberpunk setting. Now, there are other settings where there are potentially actual other deities and powers. Yeah. And so the question of which of those comes first, especially if it's something that offers power, which one do you follow? It would be an interesting thing if, for example, I borrowed very heavily from Roleplaying Public Radio's uh, New World campaign and said, hey, here's a lich, because this is something that came up in the actual play, and I'm not going this route in our campaign, so I feel okay talking about it. Okay. Uh, and it's old enough at this point that spoilers, yeah, but come on. I've talked before about this D&D campaign and how it's inspired by their New World campaign in a lot of ways. Yeah. So in, in that game, there was a wizard player character, and they eventually encountered a lich. And that lich tempted the other player character into doing worse and worse things and giving him more and more power. Hmm. To the point where he was actively working against the party for some period of time. Wow. It was great role-playing, I have to say. Uh, the player and the GM did a great job making that happen. You know, this Lish is sort of leading the player character down the garden path, offering something that's, you know, it's it's something he needs, and you just need to do this one thing. Just one thing for me. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, just one more thing. Come on. Look, you're you're in this deep. It's cool. Just one more thing. It's fine. Slowly leading him on. Very yeah. well played. And the desire to not climb onto a slippery slope like that is one of the reasons why Harry Dresden is so hostile to um, Johnny Marcone in the Dresden Files. For another example of kind of that tempter kind of a thing, not necessarily being like an evil deity. But, you know, if I created something like that in this game that I'm running and said, hey, Peter's character, Lambert, here's something that really wants your worship and, you know, your attention, and in exchange, they'll assure the safety of the colony, it would be a pretty interesting temptation, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, Lambert would um, probably come down with some anxiety symptoms. Because he'd, he'd resist that, but, oh man, would it stress him out. Bad. And, and that's the thing. We know, out of game, which direction your character would go, but it's an interesting moment for roleplay, isn't it? Yeah, definitely is. You know, it's an interesting challenge for that character, and depending on how things go, different players and different player groups playing through the same scenario would potentially end up going different ways, right? Yeah, definitely. So that's something that I think you, you can play with, that idea of, of temptation, because it's easy right now, and it solves this problem right now. 
By the way, uh, just as a quick note, because my reference to a crime boss probably came out of kind of left field, where I was going with that and did kind of a poor job of articulating it earlier is sometimes this can just be symbolic. You do not have to have a literal metaphysical figure there as a tempter. Nothing supernatural needs to take place. You can simply set up, you know, like I said, a crime boss or some other symbolic tempting influence, and that will serve the same purpose as long as everybody realizes that that's what's going on. Okay, so there's another aspect of this to consider, and that's that in a polytheistic setting, a monotheistic society is going to be real weird. And this is pretty common to D&D and fantasy gaming in general. Yes. I, I don't want to focus too heavily on that, but fantasy gaming is still the biggest type of gaming out there, and it's kind of worth talking about to some degree. Well, and before we move on too quickly from fantasy gaming, I want to call back to one of our earliest episodes when we had Dan Repperger from Fear the Boot on. Yes. We spent an entire episode <laughs> talking about kind of the role of faith in fantasy settings. Yes, I think we called that episode Faith in Fantasy. Yeah, we weren't all that great at editing. It doesn't matter. It was a fantastic episode. It is well worth listening to. I listened to the first part of it today, and then my audio player crashed in the car, and I couldn't finish it. But Our editing was so bad, it broke your browser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, probably it, not. But We were actually starting to get our editing feed under us by that point. Okay. We still didn't have the greatest audio equipment, but it's it's a very listenable episode. Dan is always interesting. I of would course. heartily recommend going back and listening to that one, too. Polytheistic settings have some interesting opportunities and challenges, some of the same ones we talked about already. Yeah. But if you are running a game where, for example, your player characters are monotheists in a polytheistic setting, you know, let's say you really want to play a character who is following something that is very close to an analog for God, make the other deities in the setting something that isn't, strictly speaking, divine, but powerful nonetheless, and make them not good. You don't necessarily have to make them evil. Yeah, to swipe a phrase from Ken Height, you don't want to over-egg your pudding. Right, but if you don't want to say these are good, I think that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you can always go the smaller, lesser god route. Yeah. Uh, just for inspiration's sake, weird neutral things like fairies, sphinxes, uh, genies, that sort of thing work well in this particular role if you don't want to do a strict black and white kind of a thing. Mystery cults. Yeah. Those work well. I kind of actually did that in the current D&D game with this ancient uh, sect of fae worshippers that you guys found the remains of. Yeah. I, I put it in there, A, because it was interesting, and B, because it was neutral in a lot of ways. Yeah. It wasn't something that you guys were going to go, oh, hey, this is a whole new set of deities that we need to include in this setting. It was, oh, they were weird. All right. Yeah. And at least one PC's perspective of how weird they are has increased over time with interaction with the thing that they were worshipping. So Yes, very true. Now, monotheistic societies can be rather different than polytheistic societies. They, they tend to view things through a different filter a lot of the time. Yeah, and I don't want to overgeneralize this too much. Sure. I mean, even just in the course of... Real-world history, there have been a number of monotheistic and polytheistic religions, and they have all been very different from each other. And the cultural perspectives that they create are also very different. But generally speaking, I think it would be safe to say that Christians see good as a thing of God, 
and the evil in the world as the responsibility of humanity or of Satan. Yeah, I, that's a that's a fair perspective. Is it simplistic? Yes, but it's also pretty true. Yeah, not everything true is complicated. Yeah. By contrast, a polytheistic society might verge on animism. It might be a case of, well, you angered a particular deity, and so something bad happened to you. But by the same token, that same deity is also responsible for good things. Yeah, and then you run into some interesting examples like... Um... Is Hinduism monotheistic or polytheistic? Yes. Because you, you've got all these different aspects of like one central entity and but they're kind of separate and they're kind of not. And <laughs> that's something we're actually probably going to talk about some in the Game to Grow episode. I, if not, I would like to get one of our panelists back to talk about some of that stuff on one of our episodes later. Certainly. But it, it gets complicated. And I don't want to get into this too much because we're we're getting away from that first commandment to a certain yeah. degree. But thinking about how the world or, or how your society perceives cause and effect and good and evil through the religious filter that they live in is an important setting thing. And it does connect back to this idea of putting God first, because a monotheistic setting will look to God for a first cause where other settings may not necessarily do so. Yeah, and... That first cause and the other societies can be any number of different things. Right. As we kind of referenced in the previous list. Okay, so another, I suppose, kind of meta consideration that you will want to look at is think about why you've got this element in your game and how you want to use it ahead of time. Because if you don't, you run the risk of being sacrilegious or probably the even more probable risk of just turning things into a incomprehensible messy slurry of conflicting lore in your setting and that can be the sort of thing that makes a world not very much fun to inhabit as a player character yeah if you 10 minutes before the game starts go oh wait a second i want to include a challenge to this particular religious character about what he's going to put in first in his life his faith or some immediate need 10 minutes may not be enough time to plan something that is a challenge to one of your character's central tenets. Now, that would be enough time to think the idea up and approach your player and say, hey, I was thinking about having a story about this. How would that go over with you? Jot it down for next week, perhaps. Yeah. But if you just kind of throw it out there without thinking about it much, I think you're going to run into trouble and it's not going to come off well because this is important. And if you're going to make it a central theme of a challenge for a particular character, it deserves some thought. Yeah, likewise, if you're going to make discovering this kind of thing or having the proverbial burning bush moment an important part of your plot line, you want to take the time to plan out kind of how that's going to influence everything else so that when the time comes to implement it in play, you're not scrambling. Sure. Two other things I want to touch on. First, we've talked a great deal about idolatry and making sure we put God first, the, the real core essence of that first commandment. It is worth mentioning, however, that the first commandment also includes God identifying himself to the Israelites and saying, this is who I am. That's a pretty powerful thing as well. And if you can put one of those moments into your game, I think you can have a lot of fun with it. And it becomes one of those central, powerful moments where the character goes, that was great. I got to connect with this God that my character has been trying to follow this whole time in a very personal and direct way. I met that person, not just a name and scripture and commandments. 
And that's powerful. And I've, when those moments have happened in games, even if it's not strictly speaking Christian, it's very powerful. And if it is a Christian moment, it's perhaps all the more powerful. Yeah, getting a chance to play that kind of Moses-like figure that, well, as it says in the Bible itself, knew God face to face, is not something that happens very often in gaming, and it probably shouldn't. But I think that would that's definitely very worthwhile if it can be handled carefully and well. Right. Last thing I want to talk about. And All right. really, as much as anything, I want to reiterate this because I've talked about it a little bit already. There is a gaming table application to this, an application outside the game. Now, away from the gaming table, there are too many of these to list. We've talked about them already. But I do want to emphasize that gaming and the pursuit of pleasure in general can become one of these idols. I know plenty of people who have spent a great deal more than they should on games and gaming material. And spent a great deal more time than they should planning their game and doing things for their game and not putting that time and effort into the things that they're called to do in the rest of their life. Yeah, that, the hobby can can be a wonderful thing, but it can also have this kind of hooking aspect to it. And any hobby can. Yeah. But as gamers, it's worth mentioning to each other, moderation is important. And knowing the limits and knowing the point at which gaming becomes an idol in its own way, it's an important thing. And again, a good reason to keep that community of Christians around you that you will listen to, who will call you out on this and say, hey, I think you're going too far with this. What's really important? Yeah, or even that we'll just maybe not even have enough insight to uh, to see that, but to start asking you questions. Because a lot of the time, even those will start to kind of sink in and not the back of your brain a little bit. That can help you back off of stuff. Yeah. All right. I kind of want to wrap this up here. So a little bit shorter one, but fairly dense. Sure, I think so. Uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of this series. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so do I. I think we've got an interesting bit to discuss here. Uh, Listeners, as usual, we would love to hear from you about any thoughts that you have about this, uh, whether you like the series idea or not. uh, Anything that has come up like this in your games would be especially welcome. Absolutely. We love hearing stories about, hey, I've, I've put this into my game and here's how it played out. First of all, that's something we can share back to other listeners, people who read comments on our blog posts and show notes, people who uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, even Google+, which we try and share that stuff out there. The, the whole community of listeners can hear it. Yeah, and we're not particularly shy about sharing this stuff out unless you specifically ask us not to. Yep. We have gotten some very interesting and useful feedback from listeners in the past and have spread it around. So, Yeah, to be sure. Please do not be shy about that. Uh, we are on all the major social media. And, of course, you can also write to us directly at hosts at stgcast.org. Yep. If you want to email us, that's a great way to do it. Peter, good topic. Thanks for coming up with it. Sure. Thank you for uh, going along with my crazy idea here. Yeah, of course. Listeners, thanks for your time. We we cannot do this without you, and you are all fantastic. And I think with that, we're done. Yep. Take it easy. We will see you next time. Catch you later, folks. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com and itunes 
To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless and happy gaming.